Hello and welcome to The Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman and I am very excited to be joined, as always, by my co-host and partner in crime, the Fulham Flyer, the Shawangunk Express. He is the Alyssa Gadeski to my Alyssa Milano. Phil Vondra, welcome back to The Pain Cave. Thanks, Jay. It's good to be here. We are down in the cave once again, face to face. Couldn't be any better than that. First time in person in the cave in quite some time, and we are super psyched to have an up-and-coming rising star of the ultra-running scene on the show with us tonight for our most recent 20 questions episode, coming to us from the great town of Boston, Massachusetts, Zach Bevan. Zach, welcome to the Pain Cave. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. We're really psyched to have you. Your move to Boston, as we were just talking about work-related, just happened recently, right? Just in the last uh, couple weeks. Well, the last couple of days, yeah. Your all's podcast actually kept me company for a couple hours. Fantastic. So thank you. Nice. Fantastic. 15 hours straight through. The drive was from Ohio? Uh, Kentucky. Kentucky. Lexington. Even, yeah. even longer. Great. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up in the South? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Blue, actually Louisville, and then moved to Lexington for college. I've okay. been there since. And then I guess this is my first time really venturing outside of the bluegrass taste. Well, so. well, welcome to the Northeast. It's oh, thank you. Humid and I'm disgusting. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you maybe it's not bad, actually, but I mean, I've only been here a few days, but <laughs> I, right. I guess you're no stranger to humidity coming yeah, from yeah. Uh, coming from Kentucky. Looking forward to the winter. I think that'll be a, a shock. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be something different for you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, We're going to get into it in just a second. But before we do, Phil, what are we drinking tonight? Well, I'm uh, I'm a little bit of a health kick, you know, because I'm sort of tapering, preparing for a race. So I'm drinking an athletic brewing free wave. It's a rather nice uh, IPA, and it's actually one of my favorites. Very cool. I'm going to go IPA as well. I have an Oscar Blues Canobliss. Canobliss. Okay, whatever. Zach, what do you got? I have a whiskey sour. Uh, bourbon, Kentucky, you know. Perfect. It's a little bit of homesick, but, you know, there you go. Phil, yeah, Phil's cool. a big bourbon guy as well. What's, what's your brand? It depends. Are we talking, like, straight or, like, mixing or? Uh, I tend to drink it straight. Uh, okay. But uh, I do like uh, I do like cocktails of bourbon as well. Yeah, I mean, if you're going straight, you know, the list is endless. But I think like a Weller Special Reserve is kind of a fun. Love it's it. good, but it's well, kind of hard I, to find, but easy enough to find if you want. I can, really want I can it, tell but. you a. I, w- I would consider it a funny story about uh, Weller. Jay and I went down to do Bandera a few years ago, and Jay went into a running store to buy a pair of uh, running shorts that were emblazoned with the Texan flag on them. Indeed. Uh, they were rather... Um, Sexy. Revealing, I guess, would be the right word. They, were, they had quite <laughs> okay. a high cut on them. Uh, anyway, so I went into a liquor store next door, and they had rather a fine collection of Weller, various types. 12-year-old Weller, the green label, which is special, Weller special. They had an antique collection Weller. So I proceeded then to load up the car with these, <laughs> visit other liquor stores loading them up, and Jay's like, what on earth are no. you doing? So I'm so, like, this is right. super rare, this stuff. He loads up the... Right. Right. Yeah. So you paid, I'm going to say you were paying $40 a bottle or so for that uh, in Texas? I think it was like 25 40 was for the probably the 12-year-old Maybe. or the antique selection right. one. So, but it, it wasn't enough, Zach, that he bought out this store's supply or whatever, as, as much as they would sell you. It was yeah. probably about six bottles. But yeah. we then had to Google every other liquor store basically within a 20 mile radius and that was how we spent the afternoon the day before bandera was just yeah. driving to liquor stores looking for more weller so, oh my god with, i have with a friend a, running bandera in a 
a couple months and I might actually go crew for him now. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, and then, of course, we had to find a UPS store so that we could buy packing material and ship everything. <laughs> we arrived at the airport. I had uh, two boxes filled with Weller. Um, and the guy's like, what do you got in these boxes? I'm like, it's bourbon, buddy. And he was like, good man. So, yeah, it was, uh, and, you know, they had some of the 1.75 liters as well, like the really big bottles of the Weller. It was, it was absolutely amazing. They were enormous, yeah. Man, yeah. No, I was telling my roommates and my boyfriend that I just went into one liquor store here in Boston, like couple, second, second or third day, and was just shocked at the stuff they had on the shelves. And I was like, man, I should, I should just start like a side hustle, just schlepping stuff back to Kentucky and selling yeah. it up at a 200% markup because yeah. you could never find any of this stuff right there'd be lines out the door that's what you did with a few of those bottles i think was you unloaded them at like a two or three hundred percent markup to some friends i mean the um the the 12 year old stuff is like three hundred dollars a bottle now Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's insane and it's just hard to find i mean it's expensive if you can actually find it it's such a weird market yeah and then we haven't even got onto pappy van winkle yet that that stuff's gone absolutely (laughs) mental yeah yeah it's insane i uh I, I told you I bought my dad like a 23-year-old pappy yeah. several years ago, and he just drank the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> that thing would be worth thousands now. Oh, like $3,000 probably. Yes, I mean, probably a hundred times what I paid yeah. for it. No, that's not right. Ten times. Ten times, yeah. yeah. I'm good at math. Yeah, we know. Stick to medicine. Anyway, let's... Uh, well, I was going to say let's get on to the main business of the podcast, but this is usually pretty much what we talk about, actually, so... Your bad math and drinking bourbon? Just drinking in general, yeah. yeah. Anyway... Zach, we wanted to uh, we wanted to have you on because you've been really tearing up the scene recently, and I think folks on the East Coast are starting to notice and and figure out who you are. But I don't know that the kind of wider ultra running community has necessarily gotten the the whole Zach Bevan story. So we wanted to do just a quick background and then get uh, a little bit of a twenty questions episode going, just so people can learn a little bit more about you. Uh, both yep. both. Uh, both serious and, and ridiculous, which is the way we like to do it here. So you're from Kentucky. You're 27 years old. Tell us a little bit about how you got into running, how you got into ultra running in particular. So I got into running pretty early, cross-country track. Sure. Uh, my mom actually ran a marathon and then kind of started helping with the cross-country team. And that's kind of how me and my brother and eventually my sister, younger sister, got into it. Um, and then just kind of rode the school collegiate train all the way you know, to running Collegiately for the uh, University of Kentucky, uh, Division One SEC, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, was pretty average in college. Uh, you know, was a scorer for the cross country team. Didn't do a whole lot in track. Like competed at SEC championships, but never really like you know did all that much. Ran about fourteen thirty in the five k. You know, just very middle of the pack. D1 Solid, runner. yeah. Solid. Um, and then, but from you know very early on in in the sport i i knew that i was captivated by the idea of ultras and that i wanted to get to that space eventually and that all the other stuff in the way was not necessarily a hindrance to it but kind of like the stepping stones to getting to that point in my running career so you know i took all the right steps you know ran ran in high school ran in college focused on the 5k 10k uh got out of college ran focused on the marathon for a few year, years ran the olympic trial standard um and from there i've just kind of started wading more and more into the ultra world so um, I've always wanted to be there, and I'm, I'm finally kind of at the point of my running career where I'm, I, I feel like I'm firmly in, in the ultra world. Nice. Did you get to run the trials? Yeah, yeah, I was in Atlanta right before the world shut down. Yeah, seriously. Great. What was that like? Tell us a little bit about that. That was cool. That was like my whole thing was I just want to be at the trials. Um, I called it the party pack. So I was in the party pack. I think I was like... <laughs> 
they kind of separated us into like four, you know, pods to like, and how close you were to the start line. I was in pod four. Um, <laughs> it was great. Uh, it was impossible not to go out too fast because there were just, you know, 150 really fit guys just going out there. Sure you know, ready to tear it up and through the streets of Atlanta, like the crowd noise was echoing off the buildings and it was just impossible not to get sucked away in the energy, the first like 10 K. Um, but it was cool. It was like a cross country race. Everyone's Garmin was like beeping at the same time at the right. mile marks. There was just like wall to wall people echoing off the buildings. It was, it was a really cool experience. Um, so happy I got to go. Yeah. It sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Did you get a little TV time? Are there any sections that we can replay and, and, did you have families looking for you on TV? I don't know because most of them were there. Oh, um, gotcha. All right. I actually, I actually told version. them like if they come, their their job was to get drunk and watch the race for me because that's what <laughs> nice. I wanted to do. But I was running, so I couldn't yeah. do it. Um, and they definitely cool. did it. They yeah, they, they took my wishes to heart. And got the <laughs> so they and were they were the particularly noisy ones then. Yeah, love it. Atlanta's got that's a really uh, really cool running community. Just very supportive and and very inclusive. I feel like. Yeah, I don't think anyone else could have pulled off that event the way they did. The Atlanta Track Club was just so, like, 100% in. Yeah, um, really It made good for group. a really special experience because I think 2016 left, from what I've heard, left a little to be desired. So I think 2020, they just they went all in, and it was awesome. That's, that's great. That's very mm-hmm. cool. So you had been running some ultras before that, but it sounds like now you're kind of a little bit more firmly planted in the ultra world. Yeah, that's what I've always wanted to do. That's what I know I'm best at in this sport. Um, but yeah, I, I still have the notion that I might qualify for the 24 trials if the standard is reasonable enough. So I'm keeping one foot still kind of in that in that world just just until that st- standard comes out and I can kind of see what it is and maybe give one one more crack at it, maybe fall a 22. But yeah, by and large, I'm fully fully into the ultra world now, which awesome. makes me happy. Awesome. That's and great. most of your ultras have been to this point, uh, road or at least rail trail type stuff. Do you, do you see yourself sticking with that over the next couple of years or moving more into some trail stuff as well? I would love to move in more into the trail stuff. Um, we'll see. I mean, I've run a few trail 50 Ks and I've done a, a ton of trail running mm-hmm. in Eastern Kentucky. Um, so I have like the background to do it and, um, I just really haven't picked the specific races that are trail races sure um but i expect over the next few years that'll change and there's you know list of races that are on my to-do list and a lot of them are trail races so nice what what are some of them uh i mean the obvious ones are western states and utmb but to get there you kind of have to take certain steps so um bandera is actually one of the ones i've I've been eyeing uh, it's a great race heavily uh, it's i think we've done i don't think i want to i don't want to do hard rock but i would like to right. do leadville uh-huh. so yeah, yeah. Led- leadville's amazing uh um, mm-hmm. bandera's awesome between yeah, the really two good. of us what have we done bandera i've five done four times, times. You, have, yeah so you... six six between the two of us right. yeah yeah we've um, been it's, it's a great race so much fun we, down we there. may be going back in in january as well yeah. so uh, okay. yeah that, that's yeah, a fantastic one um mm-hmm. and and you know very runnable i mean a lot of the ones you've you've named are, are pretty runnable trails and yeah they're just they're great and there's all that bourbon down there. I mean, it's yeah, exactly. win-win for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I don't want to trample on any of the 20 questions by, by going too far into this. So we should probably just get right into it. So, Zach, you've heard the show before. This is 20, you know, short-ish questions. Uh, we can go rapid fire, short as, as you want uh, or as long as you want. 
If you have something to expound on, go for it, and, and we'll, go, we'll go from there. You ready? Yeah. All right, Phil, take it away. All right, I am going to go with, do you have a coach? Yes, I do have a coach. Um, his name is David Long. He lives in Louisville. He's part of the 1970s and 80s British invasion to Western Kentucky University. Uh-oh. Um, with like Nick Rose, Swag Hartel, Dave Long. I think at one point they actually had the British national record for the four by mile as was also the Western Kentucky record oh, wow. for the four by mile because <laughs> um, they were all British at the nice. same time at the same school. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, but he stuck around and he ran like 212 in the marathon like in the 80s. Wow. Um, and he, yeah, he, I hooked up with him after, after college because his son ran at my high school. Um, it's like a sub 14 5K guy. So oh, wow. talents obviously in the family. Yeah, seriously. Um, but we just kind of, we clicked on a lot of like training ideas and yeah. um, where I wanted to go in the sport. And he's been learning the ultra side of stuff with me as um, kind of a, a team effort. So That's it's great. been, a, it's been, it's been awesome. That sounds really good. Those Brits, so they get everywhere. Yeah, I know. <laughs> They're everywhere. You can't, you can't get rid of them. Rid of them. Oh. <laughs> They're popping up all over. <laughs> Talking about training, what's your typical weekly mileage look like? So it kind of depends on the event. Uh, marathon training for me is actually a little bit higher volume wise than like 50 mile, hundred K training. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because, and that'll probably be somewhere in like the one Oh five to one twenty range for marathon training. Um, but for weirdly enough for like 50 mile, hundred K training, it's a little bit lower, maybe like 90 to one Oh five. Um, and the reason behind that is that with the ultra stuff, I like to have bigger volume quality buckets of like workouts. Um, and with those bigger volume buckets more often it requires more aggressive like down days in between which just leads to the overall volume being a little bit lower right. um so it's kind of counterintuitive but i've found that that works for me so uh okay what is your go-to aid station food so that's kind of i haven't like been in the type of race that you get to like have fun with aid station food um but i have run like the quarantine backyard ultra last summer that Laz put on with like over zoom, mm-hmm. which was awesome. I ran in that and like experimented with, with like mashed potatoes and bananas and, you know, just random yeah. stuff. Um, I actually paced my friend who might be running Bandera. Um, I paced him the last 35 of his uh, burning over hundred and decided to challenge myself and only run it on Oreos and water. <laughs> so nice. I ran, ran like five and a half hours on oreos and water and that went great so cool. I mean, my, stomach's, my stomach's right you know good for that sort of stuff i just i need to get to those races where you can actually have fun with the aid station stuff and not be running six minute pace for 50 miles and you know i can really only have sports drink and ju- goo running yeah. that fast yeah it's pretty pretty so. tough when you're running that fast when you get into the mountain stuff you'll probably find that it's quesadillas and avocados and yeah oh that's what i'm looking forward to most on the yeah, a real, yeah, a real meal. Ultra world. What'd you do for the the virtual backyard? Did, were, did you have like a an in town or an in neighborhood loop, or were you on the trails or treadmill? How'd you do it? Yeah, it was just from my house. Um, just went right from my living room. Had my computer set up, and you know my all my food set up, and had a four four point one seven mile loop right from my door. Perfect. And just did fifty miles. Had fun with it, and it's like okay, you know, yeah. these people are probably gonna go for three days. I'm I'm good with fifty. <laughs> yeah. right. It's a super fun format, though. Yeah, it is. It sounds great. Uh, what's your favorite race? Uh, favorite race that I've run or... Yeah. yeah, that you've run. Probably, I don't really ever want to run it again, but probably Strolling Jim. Right. <laughs> um, that, that thing, 
like just captured my imagination from the moment I heard about it. And then like taunted me with the course record for like three years, three or four years until I finally got it this past spring. Um, and that just took, that took so much out of me. Um, so I don't really know if I ever want to race it again. What but, was it about strolling gym that appealed to you, uh, when you were first kind of breaking into the ultra scene? I think it's just like the absurdity of the whole thing. It's like <laughs> not a recognized or standardized ultra distance. It's sure. 41.2 miles, except actually it's like 40.5 <laughs> because they measured it with like cars back in the day and just said right. it was 41.2, but it's actually like 40 and a half. Um, so it's not a standard distance. They've been running it for like 45, 43 straight years. So it's like the second or third oldest ultra in the country. Um, you go down there, it's like 100% a Laz event. There's just like good old folks from the town, like cooking up bratwursts and stuff for after the race <laughs> and like drinking beer. And like it started because they were just like, hey, let's run this random big loop that connects a bunch of like our houses and like roads around here that we run all the time. Right. Um, so they just did it and then they kept doing it. And now... It's like an established race of no, I mean, it, it, it only has meaning because it's been run so much. And whereas like, you know, 50 miles is an arbitrary distance. It only has meaning yeah. because it's been run so much, but sure. Yeah. The yeah. race, the race itself has like created a life of its own because of its history and, you know, right. the lore around it, which I absolutely love. Right. I mean, Right. Strolling Jim was, I think, a kind of a hidden jewel among kind of East Coast ultra runners. And yeah. like if you go kind of outside the East Coast bubble a little bit, people don't really know it. But like you say, it's right. 20 years ago, it was people were like, oh, Strolling Jim. And now Strolling Jim's a big deal because, right, it's 40 years old and, and it's had this really great history. And um, and that's really cool. Yeah, we did want to talk a little bit about the, the course record you set at Strolling Jim earlier this year. Yeah, tell us a little bit about the previous course record and who held it and everything else. I mean, we know, but the, the rest of the, the listeners probably don't, um, except for Paul, who I'm sure knows all about it. He totally knows. <laughs> Is that a Steel Town Runner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we, he's slid into my DMs a few times. Yeah. <laughs> he's a cool guy. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, but no, part of the, part of what makes strolling gym so cool is that at the beginning of the, before the race, kind of like the Boston marathon, you could just get this big old book with like the history of the race. Mm -hmm. And it has an outline of like the race for every year for the past 40 years. And you just read through and you just like see these names over and over and like the early years, how the course record kept getting ratcheted down and then like better and better talent just kept coming in. And it like, you know, the course record was, you know, 420 and then 418 and then 410 and then, uh, Someone ran like 409 and like, wow, I wonder if four will ever be broken. Um, and then Andy Jones, who was a Canadian Olympic marathoner, came down. Um, he had a really prolific marathon and ultra marathon career and, and ran 359. And that was just like, that like blew the lid off the whole thing. Like, wow, we've been talking about sub four for years and someone did it. And that was like in 1992, which was before I was born. And then from there, like just, <laughs> it seemed like the talent just stopped and no one like, it, it kind of went into hibernation for like 20 years. Um, and then I think like in 2014 or so, Scott Breeden, who's from kind of this, you know, I think uh, sort of in the same-ish area as Kentucky, he right. was, uh, I think Indiana, he, he went down and ran, went for the record and ran like 409 or 412 or so. And that kind of like put it back on the radar. It had been in hibernation for like 20 years and people were like, oh, people can still run fast over this course and just hasn't had the right, you know, motivation or people to do it. Um, so then Laz started adding a thousand dollars a year, every year, um, to a pot that, you know, come break this 
27 year old course record that we used to love see get broken every, you know, every few years for their race. And, right. um, I took a, I took a crack at it when it was 5,000 and didn't get it. Um, learned from my mistakes and went out and ran it this past spring. We had a really specific training block, you know, around doing it. Um, and set it this spring in 548 pace for some pretty gnarly 41 miles over nasty hills and yeah lots um, of punchy hills on it right lots of up and down yeah god it's yeah it's it's a pretty cruel course i've uh, i've run through war trace myself i did vol state a few years ago and uh, okay. i remember them saying you want to keep heading this way because if you take the right, you're going to end up doing the strolling gym course and that's going to add 40 <laughs> miles to your vault state. You don't want to do that. I was like, I do not want to do that. Yeah, um, if you're running that far, you don't need to make it no, any harder. I didn't need an extra 40 miles. <laughs> it's an amazing record. Now, you, you say you made some mistakes the first time. Now, we should let everybody know that in making some mistakes, you still uh, won the, the race in 2019 and I think had the second fastest time ever at that point. So, you know, your mistakes may not be, or your mileage may vary on, in terms of mistakes, but what, what specifically changed this time around that allowed you to go really almost 15 minutes faster and take down a 30 year old course record set by an Olympic marathoner? Uh, the biggest thing was my training was more specifically, you know, tailored towards running that race. Uh, in 2019, when I ran it, it was more of at the tail end of like a marathon or a half marathon, 10 K kind of cycle. And I just went out and like had a margarita the night before and like was there with my buddies and like, it was like the cherry on top of the season. Um, and it just went out and like felt good and blasted it. And I blasted it through like 27 or 28 <laughs> miles. And then like the wheels started falling off. Um, this year I approached it with a little bit more nuance. Uh, I just had one blue moon the night before, <laughs> and, <laughs> which is my pre-race one blue moon is my pre-race uh, ritual um but i definitely approached it with more nuance and, and approached it with more specific training um and felt I, I i remember coming through 50k and comparing how i felt at 50k this year versus how i felt two years ago and it was just night and day this year i was just ready to you know attack the rest of the race and two years ago i was like i cannot believe i have 10 miles left <laughs> so awesome Awesome. So the difference really was a margarita and a blue moon. I'd like I think, this. yeah, I think that's the takeaway. <laughs> Stick with beer is the, is the take-home cool. message there for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, speed work or hills? Well, they're kind of the same thing. <laughs> um, but it, I think it depends on the event you're training for. But I do think speed work in general is undervalued in the ultra world and that might just be my background speaking coming from a track cross-country background but uh, i think there's tremendous value in staying in touch with that side of you know things mm -hmm. all right uh you have a perfect 100 percent score on ultra sign up but do you have a good dnf or epic race fail story that you want to share with us yeah, I actually don't know why this one isn't on ultra sign up, but two or three weeks after strolling gym, I got greedy and decided to run a 50K in uh, a Yamacraw 50K in uh, Big South Fork, Kentucky. And me and this uh, guy from West Virginia, like, just, I didn't know anyone else was going to be there, but he was like, he was a good runner. And I was tired. And <laughs> um, I was expecting just to go out and, like, you know, kind of jog to an easy payday and have fun with it. And then he was there the whole time and I was like, oh, I'm going to break him. I'm going to break him and just like pounded myself into a pulp trying to break him <laughs> and then like exploded <laughs> at mile 20. Oh, God. Wow. 
and then like painfully walked to like 26 and had the aid station drive me back because i was like i i don't think i can get to the finish i'm pretty pretty <laughs> wow. broken right now so he, he ran a hell of a race he set the course record and like he's a solid runner but man i i yeah i pounded myself to a pulp trying to break him <laughs> when I, my body was just not in a place to do that that's awesome all righty um what is your bucket list race um it's kind of cliche but i guess utmb right. sure. i think yeah, yeah it would be i want i want the excuse just to go to europe and like be in the mountains and it'd be pretty and yeah it does. Um, i also it hear that the aid stations are like here it's like goo and soda and like m&ms i hear in europe it's like wine and cheese and like salami and i'm like yes it's a lot of meat and cheese i think yeah i might never leave i I, I can do that (laughs) (laughs) can have a whole a food tour of the uh, the alps i love it yes (laughs) who's your all-time favorite runner it's probably it would probably be uh kipchoge in terms of like all-time favorite i just i just love his mindset around the sport and like it honestly is is doesn't seem fair that like he is as good and like nice and as wise and as everything that he is right like, yeah there has to be he has to have some like skeleton in the closet he can't be just like perfect he was um, just on uh he was just on debo's podcast i have to listen to that yeah it's pretty good kind of interested to to hear a bit more about this guy because yeah totally agree he's, he's amazing all-around guy yeah i've thought like if anyone gets like busted for doping like he he would be the one that would break my heart the most right yeah Yeah, i think that's pretty telling yeah exactly exactly like anyone else you'd just be like ah you know it is what it is right with him i think i would just lose all faith in humanity that would just be terrible Uh okay um if you could compete in any non-running sport in the olympics what would it be so olympics or like just otherwise i've always said if i could like transfer my talent for running to another sport it would absolutely be basketball are you tall um, enough for that or no sorry say that again i said are you tall enough for that to matter no i'm five seven okay so. <laughs> but that's generous <laughs> kind of a um kind of a mugsy but, bogues type yeah no i grew up a kentucky basketball fan and right. that's like you know that's like that's like you know heritage stuff there sure watching kentucky basketball growing up and and you know it's just the only like sport that i've ever actually really been into other than running um so so basketball is an olympic sport you could be on the dream team usa's olympic champions i believe yeah well i mean yes i think yeah i'd probably have to grow a little bit or i don't know think something would have to be different (laughs) all right what's uh what's the toughest race you've ever run um i don't know it's either strolling gym or tunnel hill 50 and I feel like the more ultras I run, the more I'll just start adding the latest, <laughs> right. the latest ultra that's most recent in my mind to that list. Um, what was tough? Just, what, what was tough about Tunnel Hill? Tunnel Hill was just really hard mentally. From like strolling gym, at least there was like stuff to break the race up, like attack this hill and then coast coast down the other side, like things to distract you and right. like, tasks to complete. Tunnel Hill is just such like a metronomic, like lock into, you know, five fifty five six minute pace and just click it off. Right. And there's nothing, nothing in your way to like slow you down. Um, so that was really hard from a mental perspective to like keep on, you know, staying mentally engaged for that long. Right. Um, it's like if you've ra- if when you race a five k on the track, there's like a point where you're like, you have to stay mentally engaged to stay attached to the group that you're with. 
And I felt like I was doing that for like three hours, which <laughs> by myself, which was so, so hard. Yeah. Um, and Taggart ran the hundred there. And I remember telling him afterwards, like, I don't know if I ever want to try to run a fat, fast, flat hundred like you just did. Cause like just coming off this 50 where I had to be that mentally, like, engaged the whole time i don't know if i could i don't know if i could do it for 11 hours it, it'd have right it'd have to be in a at some sort of competitive situation and not like a time trial like like the yeah, two of you did uh-huh. at that race yeah your your yeah. run at tunnel hill last year definitely got i think unfairly overshadowed by by taggart and just the fact that he came even more out of nowhere and and that that twelve nineteen was so striking but a 503 is nothing to sneeze at but yeah, I, I think right. It would be it would be awesome to see like you guys race each other and be able to push each other rather than having to kind of just rely on your mental strength to just time trial it for like eleven or twelve hours, like you said. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about a hundred k, so that might happen at some point. Oh, that would be fun. That would mm-hmm. be super fun. Cool. Um, okay, if you could be a cartoon character, who would it be? Cartoon character. Gosh. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I was listening to a couple on the way up and someone said, Rick, I feel like I might be Morty. <laughs> nice. That was Pat Regan who said he was Rick. Okay. So yeah. Guess, yeah. What's uh, what's the worst injury you've ever had? Um. So the one that kept me out the longest, I've really only had one serious injury in my, my career, which I consider myself lucky. Um, but the one that kept me out the longest was a really bad IT flare up. And that was my first summer out of college. Um, I felt like I've been running these stupid 5k and 10k track races for four years. And I'm just <laughs> ready to like jump into the marathon in the ultra marathon world. So my family went out to uh, Eugene to watch the Olympic trials that year and visited Crater Lake. Uh, and I mapped it out on my, ma- on my computer. I was like, Oh, it's like 31 miles around. So I'm just going to go out and do it. And so I went out and did it. And then I did it and had no experience running anywhere near that far ever in my life. And just, <laughs> I did it and was like fine. And then two days later, it was just like absolutely broken. And then I <laughs> couldn't run for like three months or so. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I, I guess in the scheme of things, that's, that's still not that bad. But. Uh, that's something though. And that is yeah. having, having had IT problems myself in the past, that can be excruciatingly painful. Yeah. And it's one of those things like you just have to keep on top of it or it comes back. What so. do you, what do you do now to kind of preventative, um, any preventative measures that you take to, to ward that off? Yeah, I do a lot of like activations before I run. So like myrtle and hip and glute and mm-hmm. band stuff. Um, if everything's firing correctly, it's everything's fine. But it's just like waking things up to make sure it's actually firing correctly is the hard part. Right. Because I'm not, I'm not 20 anymore. I can't roll out of bed and like put my shoes on and go run. <laughs> I have to have my coffee and do my activation. He's fucking 27 and he's complaining. Wait till you get to be half of our age. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't yeah. get any better. No, it does not get. It does not get better. <laughs> Go ahead. Alrighty. Um, who would play you in a movie based on your life? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> um, I am notoriously bad with like pop, like pop culture and stuff, which my boyfriend I think finds kind of annoying because he's very good at it. So I might have to, I might have to ask him and, and shoot you all an email after. Okay, cool. We can append that to the uh I'm trying to I'm trying to get a sense of who you look like, but nothing's coming to mind right away. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let us know on that one. All right, I'll do another pop culture one for you then. What celebrity do you wish could follow you on Instagram? Would follow me on Instagram? Yes. 
probably like, I think Barack Obama. Oh, uh, that's that, a good answer. Is that yeah. too basic? No, no, no that's, that's a, a great answer. One. I love that. Yeah, yeah. That, that actually would probably be my answer. Yeah. That or like Craig Finn from The Hold Steady. What is the best concert you've ever been to or what was the last concert that you saw? I don't remember the last concert because it's been so long. Yeah, pandemic, um, man. Yeah, the best seriously. was probably a Bruce Springsteen concert. Cause, yes! Yes. <laughs> That's good. Where? Uh, in Louisville. Nice. Nice. Yeah, um, he's, yeah I, grew, I grew up on Bruce Springsteen, so that was, and I was like, I need to see him before he's like either too old or dead. <laughs> still still a great show man still it was great insane show. i think yeah it was absolutely crazy like how much energy he still had oh, unbelievable three yeah, three and a half awesome. hours no problem mm-hmm. i've seen him like eight to ten times it's he's one of my all-time favorites that's fantastic. oh yeah i would yeah um i would see him again in an instant oh so good so good and just uh, uh can't get enough what's your favorite beer my beer of the moment is always kind of shifting uh but i i'm, I'm kind of a belgian and porter and stout guy i I really like everything except for ipas so again much to the displeasure of my boyfriend who is a born and raised boston ipa oh there's a lot of good breweries in boston as well (laughs) yeah and it's every every brewery in boston is like 15 ipas and then like two and then two right Uh, right. a lager and a pilsner for me is it they make some good stouts though you'll probably find a few a few good stouts there yeah, I think I can. So. If you get into Vermont, you find some of the Belgian, and that's not too far. You can find some Belgian stuff up that way, and that's like, right? I mean, you go to Hill Farmstead or something like yeah. that, you get some really There's good Belgians up stuff. in Vermont. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like I need to venture north. Yes, Vermont is the place to go. All right. Um, what do you prefer, hot or cold weather? Um, I think probably cold weather. You're in the right place. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean... It's harder to have a bad day in cold weather. Yeah. Like, yeah. If it's hot, like, there's just no, nothing you can do. It's it's hot. But if it's cold, you have a little bit more control over, like, how you dress and everything. That yeah. You can still run fast when it's 30 degrees. You can't really run fast when it's 100. There so. you go. Totally. What's your go-to karaoke song? Um, Probably anything by Bruce Springsteen. Mm. Just... I would have to think which one specifically, but I feel like a lot of his songs, you can just kind of like talk. Don't have to like have any inflection or anything in your voice and just, yeah. So Maybe we should have a karaoke segment on this podcast. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Then we would have lose the like five listeners that we do have probably. That'd be great. We should totally do a karaoke. All right. I you're, think you're, you're, sing. You got, you got very lucky, Zach, that we just thought of this now and you don't actually have to sing because we're not prepared. But our next yeah. 20 questions guest is definitely going to have to sing. Oh, yeah, I would no. absolutely not do that. One of the <laughs> worst experiences of my life was Unlikely being to forced into singing Santa guest. Baby at a uh, Christmas karaoke thing at a bar. Oh, and I had no. just arrived. And I hadn't even had a beer or anything. And I was just like thrust onto the stage. Absolutely not. Oh, no. And, but by the end of the night, they couldn't get you off the stage. Yeah. That's I what, did, that's what I did like drink a few beers after that. And it was better after that. Calm your nerves. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Uh, awesome if you had to race dressed in a costume what would it be Ooh, dressed as a, in a costume well probably okay probably a banana suit like it do you mean Not like a, a do you mean like a like a foam banana or do you mean like a banana hammock like a 
like one of those i don't i don't know which which one but like the one where it's like a banana like above your head and yes. below oh your yeah head. So, so, okay yeah right. yellow yes. banana thing. You, you, not like a not like a, a Borat, or uh, a mankini right no right yeah banana yeah okay. so my my yeah. friend emma well i tell the story as she got beat by a banana in a marathon um, <laughs> but she says she just got chased by one and actually outkicked it but <laughs> The jury's still out on what actually happened, but I still give her shit about it. So Got run I think down it'd be fun to actually race in one and, you know, send her a picture. And... You should uh, you should call the, the Guinness folks and find out what the world record is for a marathon dressed as a banana. Yeah, we'll look into that. Get get you in the uh, Ian Sharman and uh, Mike Wardian Are they, they hold the record for ones for Elvis, right? Is that one's for, uh, I think Ian Sharman? One of them has the Elvis. They have the superhero, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I got beaten by Batman once at a marathon. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was a little embarrassing, although I wanted his uh, utility belt to be searched at the finish because I saw him <laughs> dipping into it. But, uh, anyway. I, thought, I thought ultra running was pretty niche, but that's <laughs> 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 far down the rabbit hole as you want. <laughs> uh, last question for you, Zach. What motivates you when things start to suck? So I think I'm just inherently competitive which and I, th- I think a lot of people are. Um, but one of the things that I kept going back to, like, for example, in Tunnel Hill 50 was it was like mile 35 and it was just absolutely brutal. Um, and you have those temptations to just, you know, be like, well, I can, I can, you know, ease off a little bit. I still have 15 miles left. Um, but at that point, like I'm still on pace for sub five. And the thing I kept telling myself is if you don't do like, if you don't go for sub five now, like when else, when, when are you, when, like, when else are you going to have this opportunity? You're fit. You have a perfect day. You're at mile 35 on pace. Like don't, don't take the easy way out and ease off. Like when else are you going to have this opportunity? So that's kind of what I fall back on. If like, if not now, then when, because you don't know when you'll have, you know, this setup again or the opportunity to race again, you might get hurt. You don't know. Right. So I think that's a good mantra in a lot of ultras. I mean, even for anyone in a race, really, you know, like in 100, when I get to 70, I'm really hurting. I want to stop. I'm like, well, you've done 70 miles. Why stop? <laughs> right. You know, like you've done, it's really hard right. to get you've done here. most you of the work already. It's suck, but like right. if you stop and you have to do it again, it's like you're starting from zero. So, yeah, yeah it's a good uh, Yeah. And you'll feel just mantra. as bad when you get there. So. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if not Probably now, worse. then when? <laughs> yeah. Another sub five attempt in the cards for you at some point? Yeah, I think that's. I, w- I would like to run sub five at some point. Yeah, I don't know. I need to. I need to do a, a better search of where a fast fifty might be because I think the surface at Tunnel Hill was probably at least a minute or two, or three, maybe three minutes, mm-hmm. um, just being crushed gravel. Mm-hmm. But I think on the roads, right road, right road course, I think I could do it. I mean, Chicago Lakefront has has seen some fast times over the years. I think you just got to worry about the wind and such there, but you know, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a paved flat as flat as can be and paved the whole way. I know people have been in the five Oh five to five fifteen range there a number yeah. of times. And actually uh sub five, I, I, I think maybe the old American record was set there a little while ago. Okay. Yeah. Once you go under that- five, uh, you know, four is only a step away. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, after I ran strolling gym and people saw like 40 miles at 548 pace, they're like, well, you're basically to the world record at the 50. And I'm like, that's, that's not, that's not how this works. <laughs> that's, weird things happen yeah. after 
20 miles weirder things happen after 30 miles weirder things even after 40 miles so it just gets I, that's, weirder that's not <laughs> yeah if it was all extrapolatable like that then uh, yeah we'd all be world record holders probably yeah exactly <laughs> zach this was really fun thanks for coming on the show what's next for you so i'm running jfk 50 in awesome. november i'm gonna run chicago as a tune-up just 90 percent effort or so controlled nice. effort um, but yeah, my big focus is JFK 50. So. That's great. That's a great, great race and sets up really, really well for you. You're going to love it. Yeah, and no, I'm really excited for it. Awesome. We look forward to following along. Good luck at JFK. Good luck at Chicago. And uh, maybe we'll even get to see a Bandera next year. Yeah, I hope so. I might, awesome. Yeah, I'm going to buoy my friend into making plans so that I can come out there with him. Beautiful. Take, take packing material with you. Yes. <laughs> <Bubble> wrap. <laughs> That's right. You can save on the packing tape, bring up a breakdown box and something like that. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> thanks, Zach, for joining us. Thank you, Phil. And thanks to everyone for listening. Until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not jaded, just been faded. Like a good old pair of jeans Rusty like a proud old car That's drove a little too far And seen too much rain But long ago as a child I look about the night sky In wild wonderment And ride the bus feel upset To think of all the years I'd have to go through there I was still young I was still young And I was still young